Our text for this morning's sermon is taken from the gospel reading with special emphasis on the following words. Jesus said there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. This is our text. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, looks can be deceiving. The story of the rich man and Lazarus is a perfect example of that. By all accounts, the rich man in the story was blessed. He had all that he needed and wanted and was probably held in high esteem by his community. On the other hand, there was Lazarus. By all appearances, he was cursed. He was homeless, poor, hungry, living on the street and in poor health. His only companions were the dogs who came and licked his sores. But looks can be deceiving. For as Jesus tells us, The man who by all accounts and appearances we thought blessed was the cursed one. And the man we thought cursed was the blessed one. So, how do we know? How do we know who's blessed and who's cursed? How do we know if what our eyes tell us is right or wrong? How do we know? We know by our ears. The Word of God will always tell us the truth, despite all appearances, despite what our thoughts and emotions might tell us, despite our inner psyche, what it might tell us, despite the opinions of those around us. The Word of God It says who we are. In fact, it creates who we are, gives us our identity. The only question is this, whether we will believe what God says or not. The appearances of things in this world and the opinions of this world are very powerful and influential. And we often do believe them, even us here in this church today, because we want to believe them, because they tend to make sense. Like, for example, that the rich are blessed and the poor are cursed. The idea that you determine who you are and that you control your ultimate destiny in life The belief that you get what you deserve. That when I win the lottery, God is blessing me. And when I'm diagnosed with cancer, God has made me cursed. He's punishing me. However, this way of thinking, it's sinful. It's just downright wrong. It's 
sinful because it conforms our ways to God's ways. It conforms our way of thinking with his way of thinking. It's exactly the opposite of what the reality is. And yet, we do this all the time. It's our default position since the fall of humanity. I mean, think of Adam and Eve, right? God said, don't eat this fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat it or you will die. The devil, that liar, said, hey, if you eat it, you'll become just like God. And you won't need him anymore. They believed the lie, but that's not all. If you remember, Eve looked at it, and by all appearances, it looked good. Really good. And Adam, who was given the word about that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do you remember what he said? Do you remember him saying anything that God said? No, he said nothing. He looked at it too. It looks good. <laughs> But looks can be deceiving. They weren't going to become God. They never were gods. It was all a lie. But they trusted their eyes. And their ears were not in tune with the word of God. As we hear through the prophet Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. They're just not. Looks are deceiving. And I'm going to give you a little story. I shared this many, many years ago, but it's worth repeating. It's a story of a teacher who worked here for many years, Marilyn LeClaire. Mrs. LeClaire was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and she struggled with it for a long, long time. And she died of that cancer. And I'll never forget looking around here at Trinity, the teachers and pastors. We were down and out, right? It all looked bad. I mean, our own teacher, she was so faithful and loving and caring for the children and for all of us. Such an example of great faith. In fact, my title of her sermon at her funeral was The Prayer of Mrs. LeClaire, ultimately to be with God and all of those who have gone before us in heaven. But as I looked around, we were all down and out. But a little child in our school went up to Mrs. Becker, and he was happy, 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 thrilled. He ran into the room and said, Mrs. Becker, Mrs. Becker, did you hear? Did you hear? Mrs. LeClaire went to heaven. He trusted his ears, not his eyes. He trusted the word of God. And the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. Whether you're rich or poor in this world, it, you just aren't here for very long, are you? We're all going to look bad. I go to Sharon Richardson. People look bad there. I look around as I get old. I'm not looking as good as I once did. It happens to all of us. Looks can be deceiving. 
but the word of God is the truth. That's why our, our Lord says, sanctify them with the truth. Your word is truth. That's why we have a school. That's why we spend so much time in the word of God. Out there, the world, it's very influential. And what people see, they tend to believe, and, and they're led astray, and they, they're left with nothing and empty. Here we look to the word of God and the richness of the word of God. And with God, there's always more. That's why we teach the children in our school. We teach in Sunday school. We proclaim here Moses and the prophets. Because Jesus affirmed that this is his word. We proclaim the, the name and word of Jesus Christ. Why? Because his word created you. His word redeemed you. His word gives us life. His word gives us hope and a future. And we are all to be like little children when standing before God. Did you hear? Did you hear? Nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. That's what we teach our children here. And they believe it. They receive it. And it's the most important thing you can do for your children. Nothing else lasts. And yet this is often on the back burner. No. Don't do what the rich man did. While appearances are deceiving and fleeting, the word of God, the word of God does what it says. And it lasts forever. For that word, Jesus Christ, was made flesh. He was made flesh for every Lazarus in the world, including you and me. Did you notice that the rich man isn't named? Lazarus has a name. The rich man isn't named. Because in the end, he really didn't know who he was, right? He trusted in himself. He didn't know God, so he didn't know who he was, the God who created him. I'm always amazed that we think we can change our, you know, chromosomes and we can determine all of those sorts of things. It's crazy. Yeah, I said it. It's nuts to believe that. But isn't that what we are tempted to do, to believe that, oh, I can do anything. I can even change who I am. I can change my identity. No, you can't. You had nothing to do with your being here. For heaven's sakes, why would you have the arrogance to say that you control it all? You don't. Nor do I. You know, your Savior has a name, too. It's not the God of many names. I hear some of these denominations that aren't even Christian who claim to be Christian. Oh, God, you go by many names. Really? Be like going up to, to Mark over there and, hello, you by many names, and you'll be wondering who in the world you are. His name is Mark. That little baby's name is Luke. We have a name. 
and God called you by name in the water and word of holy baptism. All of us. God as a name, it means Savior. That's what Jesus means. The Apostle Paul has an admonition, doesn't he, for the rich in our epistle lesson. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. But look at this. On God. It's not whether you're rich or poor. It's where you put your hope on God. And then he says, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Everything he gives is for us to enjoy. So enjoy it. Enjoy the gifts that he brings. They're wonderful. Use those gifts for the benefit of others. Notice that the rich man was clothed with purple. It's a, purple was the color of kings. And he sought to be served. In fact, he even thinks that Lazarus, who's in heaven, is still his servant. Oh, go tell Lazarus to do this and to do that and to, to do whatever, right? Oh, no. You're not, not in charge. Your word is worthless. Nobody's going to do what you say anymore. In the end, only the word of God stands forever. What he says, not what we say. So by looking at Jesus on the cross, right, one would never know that he was and is God himself in the flesh, saving the world from sin and death. And by looking simply at the water of holy baptism and the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, you would never know the great things that God is delivering for you there. In Lent, we adorn the altar and lectern and pulpit in purple. Why? Because Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the rich one. But the truly rich one comes not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what he's here to do. You know, the water that was poured on Luke in that hospital room in the NICU didn't seem like anything big was going on there. But it was huge. There he became a child of God. There God promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Eyes are deceiving, but not the word of God. And that's why we stood here to acknowledge that. Because we're called here to care for little Luke and to care for each other. To use our riches and our blessings not simply to benefit ourselves, but to benefit others as God and Christ has benefited us. These things are written, we hear, from the Gospel of St. John, right? About Jesus' death and resurrection. About how he gives his life for the life of the world, overcoming sin and death for us so that we have a future forever in heaven in the glory of God. These things are written, he says, that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the one set apart to save the world from sin and death. These things are written that you may know that Jesus is the Christ and, and believe that Jesus is the Christ and by believing have life with him both now and forevermore. That's why the focus on the word of God in this place. The word which gives the power and authority of that water to do great things. The word 
from the rich one, Jesus, that brings not merely a crumb of bread, but our Lord's body given in death for all your sins. Not just simply a sip of wine, but a sip of the Lord's blood of his life that conquers death. That's what you get here. That's what God says. And what he says goes. You know by the word of the Lord, the word who created you, the word who redeemed you by dying and rising again, and the word himself who is here to deliver these gifts to you, that you have all the blessings of heaven. What he says goes, and what he says is, blessed are the poor. I don't care what it looks like. Blessed are the poor. Poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Treasure it. Let it have its way with you. Because it's the way of life. While looks can be deceiving, we are reminded in Proverbs 30, verse 5, that, quote, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And Jesus himself said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And he has promised to all those who, like Lazarus, appear to have no hope, <laughs> never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And he said to him, and he'll say to you, come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. That's the way it is. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.